the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Let's bring in the one the only Patrick O'Hare from briefing.com. How are you, Mr. O'Hare? Hey, Rob. I'm doing fine. Thank you. Good to be back with you. Good end of summer, Teal. And uh, what's that mean to you, and what do you think it means to the markets these days? Great. Well, uh, hopefully it means that we um, see things kind of get back to uh, business, if you will. Um, uh, the, as far as looking at the stock market specifically, you've seen it a really thinly traded market over uh, the last, um, you know, four to six weeks, really. Um, you know, it's just I think everyone just kind of trying to sit back and waiting to see what what all is going to unfold with respect to. Um, uh, monetary policy uh, around the world. Um, there's, you know, three central banks uh, in particular having meetings this this month. Uh, the European Central Bank, which has one this Thursday, uh, and then both the Bank of Japan and the Federal Reserve, which meet uh, on the same days, incidentally, um, September 20th and 21st uh, this month. And so, what goes on at those meetings, I think, is going to help stir this market back into action in a certain respect and hopefully uh, invite uh, stronger levels of liquidity um, that come with an increase, uh, you know, with a pickup in trading volume. So we saw the labor report come out on Friday, and sometimes I really wish I could talk to you on the first Friday of the month. Uh, What did you see in those labor numbers, uh, positive, negatives? What were the tea leaves? Right. Uh, you know, it actually was the subject of my big picture column that I published on Friday, um, and I essentially called it a maddening employment report um, because, you know, it wasn't strong enough nor was it weak enough to really pr- provide us any closure in terms of what the Fed is likely to do at its meeting this month uh, uh, and as it relates to, you know, the timing of that next rate hike. But, you know, I, I think if you take a step back, you know, if you're looking at just, you know, payroll growth, it's, it, yeah, it disappointed relative to consensus estimates, which were probably inflated just because the last two months were so good. Uh, but in any event, a little bit disappointing, but take a step back from that, 151,000 jobs uh, created non-farm payrolls, uh, brought the three-month average to 232,000, right? So it's not uh, not terrible there. But surprisingly, uh, we saw a, a a drop-off in average hourly earnings growth and and the average um, work week, uh, which was a bit surprising. That fell down to 34.3 hours from 34.4 hours in July. Um, so I think, in, in, you know, taking everything together, I do think, you know, the Fed is likely to continue to stay in its very cautious mindset and, and refrain from raising rates in September. But 
Um, but I could see, you know, an outside shot that they still go ahead uh, and raise. Uh, the report wasn't abysmal, um, but um, but I think the Fed and everyone else was hoping it would be uh, unreservedly strong. So there was no question whatsoever in terms of what they should and could do in September. Speaking of September, um, shortly thereafter is the elections. I think we're down to like the last 60 rough days. I saw a new poll out today, and it's likely voters versus registered voters. It's pretty close. But in one of the two polls, Trump was leading. In one of the two polls, Hillary was leading. Uh, do you think Wall Street is going to be paying a lot of attention to Main Street and who gets into the White House, or, is, or will we deal with that as it, it unfolds? Uh, you know, I think that the market, because it has been just sort of um, kind of meandering through the, the summer here without a lot of uh, trading volume, I, I do think it will get a little bit more responsive here uh, as the election draws near uh, to polling numbers. Um, you know, I think uh, without trying to sound too partisan, I think that the general view of the market is that um, Mrs. Clinton is the front runner. Um, some polls that, you know, dispute that, uh, admittedly so. But I think that the, the market anyway is, is trying to um, price in an environment where, you know, ultimately, you know, she ends up winning the election. Um, and I think that if we get close to the election and you start seeing polling numbers that favor Mr. Trump, uh, or at least making it look like it's, you know, maybe even a dead heat, um, I'm not so sure that the market is comfortable um, with uh, Mr. Trump being elected president, and I think it could react a little bit more negatively than it would if uh, if those polling numbers still continue to favor Mrs. Clinton. So, um, so I don't think it, you know you'll you'll know more obviously after that first Tuesday in November. But as we get closer here, and knowing the volatility you saw uh, leading up to, uh, for instance, the Brexit vote with all of the polling back and forth, um, we could see a repeat of that. I think uh, as it comes into the into the actual election day. It's going to be interesting, to say the least. Uh, hurricane season, shark-biting season, uh, Trump and Clinton season, so a lot going on. Um, I saw the services sector took a big hit today. In the past few years of talking to you, we seem to have that lull in summer, and we always seem to be surprised that we get a lull in summer, and then activity, both services and sometimes manufacturing and retail picks up in the back half of the year. Is that in the playbook this year, or is it a wait-and-see kind of approach? Well, I, I have to agree. I think that services number was, was quite surprising, really, just in terms of the, the scope of the deceleration. Uh, you know, now the, the services yeah. sector is still operating in an expansion mode, but um, but – August marked the lowest level since February 2010, um, which was quite striking, knowing that the manufacturing index last week, um, you know, actually tipped back into a contraction state with a reading below 50. So, so what you've got going on now is you've got a manufacturing sector that has fallen back into contraction, and you have a non-manufacturing sector, which is slowing down considerably. Um, both those reports cover the month of August, which is obviously part of the third quarter. Uh, and I think it will, again, lend itself to the Fed uh, remaining you know, uh, reticent to, to pull the trigger on a rate hike in September, uh, because this is a Fed that, <laughs> for um, for many reasons, uh, you know, wants certainty uh, in in a very uncertain world. You know, wants the certainty of the employment and the inflation data before it actually decides to go ahead and raise interest rates. And and what these reports suggest to us uh, is that that 
certainty has been diminished there as it relates to the strength of the services sector as well as the manufacturing sector. Speaking with Patrick O'Hare with Briefing.com, I saw a lot of mergers and acquisitions in your page one article this morning, Enbridge and Spectra, that's a big one, Donaher and Cephid, a little bit smaller, Bayer, will they or won't they be able to acquire Monsanto? Um, I personally like mergers and acquisitions because it tells me companies are looking at each other saying, we're not going out of business and we could use this company that complements us or doesn't complement us, we'll take their technology, we'll fire people, we'll make it work somehow. I like M&A. What's your thought on M&A? Well, uh, I think that uh, it, it, it can have some of that, exactly what you're talking about. Um, but I think also you, you kind of look at each deal separately, right? You know, uh, are they using stock? Are they using cash? Um, I think right. you know, companies that use cash tend to be a little bit more confident in the synergistic values of the of the acquisition. Others that use stock might be able to do so simply because they have the currency and a higher stock price to do so. But um, uh, but in this environment where we're you know pricing power is difficult to obtain and and where revenue growth is difficult to achieve uh you know i think you're seeing m&a driven in part by uh a, a desire to try and pick up market share through m&a because it can't be can't be done organically uh and that's a little concerning i think but uh but obviously when you have these m&a deals take place it does often tend to lead to job losses uh as cost cutting is usually a uh you know one of the leading features of a of a of a transaction like that. So, um, so I'm, I'm kind of like on the fence here with M&A activity uh, at, in, at this particular point in time, just knowing that it has been difficult to, to really drive the top line. I think you're seeing in a world where there's a lot of excess capacity, companies trying to take out that capacity uh, and trying to pick up market share through acquisition activity as opposed to being able to achieve it organically. I've taken up the first seven or eight minutes of the interview. I'll give you the last two. Anything you want to talk about that you're working on that you think is important for our listeners? Um, well, I you know, mentioned at the top of the hour, we had the uh, ECB meeting uh, out here on Thursday. Uh, it's the first of three important meetings this this month, and uh, so you know I'm going to be watching that. I'm going to see what the ECB has to say. I don't really expect the ECB to do anything uh, this this month, but I'll be curious to see how the the currency reacts to uh, to what the ECB does or does not do. And, and I think you're going to see uh, pick up in currency volatility here in the coming weeks that uh, could create some excitement for the capital markets uh, as this interest rate differential trade uh, starts to filter through things here. Thanks very much. It's Patrick O'Hare with Briefing.com. comes to us every Tuesday at 7.30 Pacific time. I replay it at 8.30. I also cut it up and put it on the website uh, of Facebook under my, my Cron4 webpage called Cron4 Rob Black. I send the interview to Briefing. So if you get on their Twitter page, uh, their Twitter account, you can see, hear the interview 24-7-365 after I submit it to them. Uh, I think Patrick does a great job of very concise and very informative information about where the markets are and where they're going in the future. Um, pretty smart guy, and he helps eliminate some of the risk of, of not being educated on the issues. You don't have to be right. You just have to be educated. And then even if your trade slips on you or your investment doesn't work out, 
you based it on the right things. So check them out at briefing.com. It's briefing.com. And don't forget, I have an event coming up at the Four Points by Sheraton in San Rafael this Saturday. More information for your retirement and wealth planning event with CFP Chad Burton discussing retirement issues. Very complicated, uh, which accounts to draw from what you can do to maximize Social Security benefits, how to reduce risk, low interest rate environments, dividend stocks, dividend aristocrats. They've been huge winners last year. What will be the huge winners this year? I'll discuss it at the event in San Rafael, the Four Points by Sheraton San Rafael. You can sign up at robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.